Hello, this is Melissa Lau, Associate Pastor of Congregational Care and Missions at Wesley Memorial United Methodist Church. Thank you for subscribing to our podcast. Our sermon series for the month of October is based on the book of Matthew. Please jump in and learn along with us as we go on this exciting journey. Thanks again for listening. God bless. You are a smart, educated person. How could you be dumb enough to want to vote for, insert the blank, Republican or Democratic political representative? And take a moment to think with me. What have you heard in the recent weeks or past months where someone has said a derogatory comment or perhaps even you yourself have said a derogatory comment against someone else because of their political affiliations. And on and on it goes, back and forth. These are just a few examples of offensive statements on all sides of the upcoming elections that I have seen, heard, or presented. In fact, on the internet, I see memes presented of funny jokes against one party or another, or who votes for one side or the other. I've been disturbed by the painful, attacking statements made in the name of politics, and the mudslinging and name-calling between the candidates is equally distressing. How individuals who support this or that party are stupid or dumb or ignorant or ridiculous to vote for them. And these are just to name a few. These statements are not limited to jokes or internet memes, but extend to verbal exchanges overheard in the grocery line, comments left on someone else's social media posts, offensive defensive stances taken in friendships because of political differences. And they've even arisen to conversations within the church. I've heard personally individuals question another person's faith based on their political affiliations. You, even in this moment, as you listen to me, may be offended yourself at hearing me talking about these. You may be feeling the hairs on the back of your neck standing up and bristling, wondering what I'm going to say next, or even questioning the place of discussing these controversial things within the church. So let's look at a very controversial exchange that took place in the ancient Near East between the Herodians, the Pharisees, and Jesus. An interaction so pivotal in the ministry of Jesus Christ that it's illustrated in the magnificent stained glass windows here at Wesley Memorial United Methodist Church. Matthew 22, 15 through 22 says, Then the Pharisees went and plotted together how they might trap him, Jesus, in what he said. And they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and teach the way of God in truth, 
and defer to no one, for you are not partial to any. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their malice and said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the poll tax. And they brought him a denarii. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Then render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And hearing this, they were amazed, and leaving him, they went away. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. So the first thing you may be asking is, who are these Herodians? These individuals were the party in power that were supporting Herod in that day. They supported the tax as Herod's authority was given to him by Caesar. And Caesar was supported by the taxes received. Now, who are these Pharisees? The Pharisees are the religious leaders of the day. They opposed Roman taxation because Romans were Gentiles, and they did not want to submit to a Gentile ruler who is also expected to be revered as a god. And they had also decided they had better uses for their money than to give it to Rome, who they disagreed with. The Herodians and the Pharisees, they were actually enemies of one another. But they had bonded together in this time and in this circumstance around a common desire to trap Jesus. And so they came to Jesus with this politically loaded question. Is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? If Jesus answered to this question, yes, then he was siding with the Herodians. If he answered no, then he was siding with the Pharisees. Either way, in their linear way of thinking, one of these two opposing groups would win and could then be given ammunition to attack and to trap Jesus. Let's face it, there are not many topics in this world more controversial than politics and money. They thought they had a shoe in right here. Why are money and politics so controversial? They're controversial because they are intensely personal. They hit at the core of what we see as valuable, power, security, protection, belonging. When this was the lectionary passage for today, I myself slightly cringed in hearing its words. For this very personal nature of politics and money were exactly why the Herodians and Pharisees thought they could trap Jesus with this question of taxes. And yet Jesus is not limited to our binary ways of thinking. As God says of God's self in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Jesus was not partisan, but he was political. Over and over, people again and again tried to pigeonhole Jesus into their own boxes, to try to get him to be on their side. But that was not God's way. How often do you and I try to do the same thing, to make God into our own likeness, to try to, in some way, make God in our image? You see, Jesus was constantly challenging the power structures of that day. And Christ does the same thing today, now, in our lives. Who is on the throne of your life? Who are you looking to for affirmation, rescue, safety, protection, or provision? How did Jesus respond to this question of the Pharisees and the Herodians? He responds by giving a little object lesson. He holds out a coin and asks, whose likeness, or in the Greek here, ikon, can also be translated image? And they respond, Caesar. And then he says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. See, this whole question was really not about money or the paying or not paying of taxes. This is about their refusal to surrender to God their very lives. Genesis 1:27 also talks about image, saying, God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. As we are made in the image of God, we are his made in his image. Jesus invites even the Pharisees and the Herodians to give unto God what is God's. All that we are and all that we have belongs to Christ. So what are you holding back and why? Where are you saying to God in your life today, God, this is mine? For that's the other sign of the coin and the question that the Pharisees and the Herodians are asking. They're saying to Jesus, what can I say is mine and no one else's? It's a question of power and surrender. Our worth is realized in our surrender. For surrender to God is not a harsh thing, but rather an invitation to a place of peace where we have been named by God known with such intimacy that our very name is written on the palm of his hands. God has not forgotten us or who we are created to be. But sometimes I think and wonder, have we forgotten? James 1, 23 through 25 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he's looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, 
not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. How many of us have forgotten what we look like? Have we forgotten that we're created in the image of God? Instead of loving and forgiving and acting justly, we give into our evil desires just like the Herodians and the Pharisees to prove to ourselves somehow in our own eyes to justify our own selfish behavior. We lie thinking, it's just a little white lie. No one will really notice. It doesn't even really count. It's such a little thing. We're bitter and vengeful thinking, they don't deserve my forgiveness after what they have done. Or we're stingy thinking, I've worked really hard for what I have. They don't really need my help. They'd probably just waste it anyway. What would this country look like if we as believers in Jesus Christ remembered who we are created to be and illustrated what it looks like to love one another, regardless of one's political beliefs or ideologies? What would it look like to be able to disagree with someone else but to love them? What would it look like for someone to know we're a Christian because of how we love one another. In this election season and every season thereafter, to look at someone else and see not how they chose to vote, not even whether they chose to vote, but to look at someone and see that person as made in the image of God. When will we begin to value each person as being made in the image of God? an individual of great worth. Our worth is more than coins in a bank account, more than the external characteristics of our physical features, more than who we side with, more than even what we choose to spend the time of our life on. For we are more than what we do. Our worth is inherent. As one made in the image of God, each and every one of us. Yet how will we respond to the grace of God offered to us? When Jesus was dying on the cross, he was surrounded on both sides by two thieves. One who mocked and rejected Jesus as Christ and one who in his final moments of life on this earth responded to Jesus in faith, proclaimed him as Lord, and was with Christ in paradise that very day. Each had beautiful, amazing, inherent worth as created human beings, created by God. But only one of the two thieves worth was realized. The one who received the eternal gift of salvation that was offered. Whose image does your life portray? Caesar or God's? Do you live your life in such a way as to portray the image of the one who made you? Are you kind or resentful? Are you generous or controlling? 
Are you loving or fearful? Out of our hearts, our mouths speak. Do our hearts speak forth our love and mercy? Our actions speak forth justice in the world? And our lives speak forth a humility in walking with God? Will your Facebook posts, interactions in the grocery line, conversations on the telephone, purchases online, resources allocated, reflect absolute surrender to Christ, relinquishing all power and all control, acknowledging he is Lord of lords and King of kings in your life, the one who gave all for you and for me. Or will your life reflect the empty ways of the world around you? Will you recognize today in whose image you are made?